All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. I'm Matt Favratsky alongside Olivia Groutman, Alex Balfour, two stars of the St. Thomas freshly D1. Like you guys are you guys are living the dream this fall of that huge jump from D3 to D1. The only program in the history of American college soccer to make this jump. And so we are going to dig into it. But first, thank you so much for both of you for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having Thanks, us. <laughs> all right. So let's start at the very beginning. Let's go all the way back. And Alex, let's let's have this one go to you first. When you were first getting recruited to St. Thomas, talk about what that was like when you were all the way back, whatever year in high school that was, when you were first considering St. Thomas, what were those conversations like? Because I think your experience and Olivia's will be different, right? Because you were probably fully pre the D1 conversation, right? Yeah, com I mean, completely. Um, right. No, yeah, I talked to, I started talking to St. Thomas just like right before my senior year because I hadn't decided what I wanted to do. And honestly, like the D3 was like a big, like she's a big seller too. I just, um, right. just uh, the balance that comes with D3, everything. And I love Sheila and I love the coaching staff and just thought it was a really cool camp campus. So I didn't tour until late. Um, like late summer going into my senior year. And when I did, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, this is where I want to go. So it was just a great choice for me after looking at so many different types of schools at so many different types of levels. Um, it just all came together at the end. Well, and you being, you you are like an entire category of players like you exist on this current roster where you played multiple years in the Mayak. You guys were balling out in the Mayak. You were like, you know, an All-American. It, it, like, you know, you did all of this full experience. And then when for you all did you actually start hearing, other than just like rumor and murmur, but like when did the conversation start happening about, oh, wait, we might be D1? Like when did that start happening? When did you first start hearing about that? Right. I think the conversation first started happening after our freshman year, my freshman okay. year, like um, once we had finished that NCAAs and everything. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And at the time, I was like, well, senior year, that's that's far away from now. We'll deal with that when it comes. But um, then everything started getting more and more solidified, probably. Yeah, by the end of my sophomore year is right. when you knew for sure and i think honestly everyone was cool me the first school to ever do this like i think once it started getting put in the air we had a feeling that that's probably what was going to happen putting d2 or just like chin conferences um so i think we all knew it was coming but to hear that it was actually happening was pretty crazy but then again i was still like oh my gosh two years from now and now it's here which is just kind of crazy. <laughs> Honestly, I can't even imagine the vibe of that. I mean, I played in the UMAC, you know, I went to Morris. It's like, I can't imagine if that conversation even started happening. Like you go to this D3 school and they're like, by the way, we might be D1. It's like, what? Like that's so foreign to, right. like you said, part of recruiting, especially in, women, in women's soccer, there are so many programs at every level. Like there are so many D1 programs, so many D2 programs. So there's not that many accidental fits of players because so many programs exist that like they recruit people and whatever. So part of going D3, like you said, Alex, it was on purpose. It's like, I want to have the balance of like school and athletics and all these mm -hmm. things. So it's like, there's a reason that jump doesn't normally happen. But Olivia, I have to imagine it was a little different for you, right? Because you're a sophomore this year. 
so your freshman year was that glamorous, glamorous middle of a global pandemic of which we are still in, by the way. But your that freshman year was super bonkers. You get on campus, delay till spring, then there's sort of not a season, and then you wait till this fall. But mm-hmm. for you, when did you first start talking to St. Thomas? And was D1 sort of always in the ether in those conversations? Ooh, um, I think St. Thomas was always on my radar just because I have family who've been here. And so I kind of, and I'm, I live nearby. So it was always um, something in the back of my mind, but I didn't seriously consider it until pretty far along in my like college looking at schools process. Um, so I went, I went all over and I looked at a ton of schools and it ended up coming down to a couple of schools in the Twin Cities. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad it did. And it worked out. It worked so well, um, especially being close to home during a global pandemic. Yeah. Um, I love the school and it was, it was great to be able to be on campus last fall because mm-hmm. I can, I can't say the same for a lot of my friends. Right. Um, and we got to play. So on, right. on top of that, it really worked out super well. Well, and when those, when you were having those first conversations, like maybe the first time you ever spoke with Sheila, you know, mm-hmm. the first time you ever spoke with anyone associated with the program was it already known by that point that the d1 jump was happening or had you had conversations with them when they were still in that sort of we can't say and Mm -hmm. so we're kind of a d3 program where there's whispers that we might not be so what was the vibe of where were they at in that transition like the first time you spoke with them at the first time i spoke to sheila i don't think it was on the radar at least for me, they might have known stuff right, that right. I didn't know. Right. Um, and then eventually more and more rumors came out. And then um, for a while we knew when I decided I was going to St. Thomas, I knew that something was happening. Right. But I did not know that we were going D1. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think because even going into my freshman year, like I knew that we were going D1, but I still kind of had it in my mind of like, you still have a D3 season ahead of you. Like, Right. There's a ton of growth coming into this and it will be a transition period, but um, it's, it felt weird to be like, I'm playing D1 at St. Thomas <laughs> before I was even at the school. Um, right. I've had super supportive friends and family and coaches who were like, Hoji's playing D1 soccer at St. Thomas. But part of me is like, <laughs> not, not there yet, but we will. Right. We'll get there soon enough. So it's fun to be, it's fun to be in it finally. Right. Well, I think both both of you have a it seems like a pretty healthy relationship with like the sport and it's not like soccer or die or some crazy, you know, that it wasn't necessarily maybe the only deciding factor of sort of where you went to school. But for you both, when did you first know and we can go back to Alex, when did you first know that you might want to play soccer in college? Yeah, um, I I was really unsure in high school. I played on a really competitive club like a lot of us did and a lot of girls were committing by their mid-sophomore, end of sophomore year. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I have literally no idea if I wanna play, if I wanted to play, like where I would wanna play. I was looking at schools like everywhere. Um, So that whole process was so, it was honestly so up in the air for such a long time. And it really just depended on if I could find a school that had the balance that I wanted, um, which was, like I said, why I ended up landing on St. Thomas. 
-hmm. But I mean, yeah, I, I really didn't know. And so I think that's similar to a lot of girls here where they just wanted to really start loving the sport again and mm -hmm. saw St. Thomas as an opportunity to really just start loving and having fun, but still playing really competitively. Right. Olivia, how about you? When did you first sort of think about like, yeah, I could play in college? Yeah, I, I grew up playing competitive soccer. So it was always kind of something in my mind. And like Al, I saw girls with either on my team or on teams that I'm close with who were starting to commit to these big schools. And I kind of realized, I mean, I always jumped through the hoops and sent emails out to coaches for all the showcases. Like I did, I did the work, um, yeah. whether it was for like Princeton or whatever, whether I think I could get there or not. But <laughs> yeah. um, I, I looked at schools for soccer and I looked for schools um, just for academics. And um, I ended up narrowing a lot of the schools down being ones that I thought I could play soccer at. And part right. of that was because I realized like, if I can't, first it's a reason to narrow down schools so many schools out there and that was a tricky process, but also <laughs> I love the sport. And I realized um, like through high school that like, I, I still have so much to learn through this process. And I don't think I've like hit my peak. And since I love it and I love doing it, um, it brings me a lot of fulfillment. I might as well um, keep at it, find a school that I can do both at. Yeah. I can't, by the way, I can't imagine going through like even a non-soccer related, like a rigorous college selection process. I can't relate to that. Like I was such a like slacker about it, like chose a school based on such silly reasons and really lucked out in finding a perfect match. But it's like, I, I think it was Ansley Atkinson that we had to add on a show earlier this fall. And she said when she was a sophomore, her mom made her do a breakdown, a detailed breakdown of 20 different schools. And I like just hearing her say it stressed me out. Like I was so, I was like, oh my God, I'm like having secondary stress for something you did like 10 years ago. Like somehow I'm having feelings about this. Um, Olivia, one yeah, of the things- I played, I played with Ansley. That's funny, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I can, I can completely 110% picture that. <laughs> I think it is funny you both mentioned like, you both played at really legit clubs and so I remember Alex you and I were chatting on the phone I think I was at a random wedding and I got out of the reception to talk to you on the phone earlier this year there was it's this really funny thing where all of you have all these former teammates playing at these different levels and so it's like well we all were at this level together like we all know we could hang and it's just people filter to what they want to do you know it's just this funny thing of like we mentioned there's so many women's college programs that you really can find if you want to you can find the fit that sort of fits you but it's just so it's like in men's college soccer that doesn't exist like there's not a big ecosystem it's really weird there's hardly any d2 there's hardly any d1 whatever um so olivia one thing i'm super curious about because i watched um, a number of your early exhibitions i've watched uh, like a few of your games for sure and for a team in a transition phase any team in like a growth phase being the keeper for that team can be sort of like really brutal game in game out like you are you are the one sometimes bearing the brunt of that transition either you're taking a bunch of shots or you just you have to have an even shorter memory than a keeper normally does i personally have no idea how any keeper stays alive in any situation so i don't know how you do it but for you what did you do to try and prepare for that situation knowing sort of we're going to have a tough year like we're not going to go undefeated or like some magical situation we're going to have our ups and downs and i probably am going to give up goals like how did you prepare for that situation of i've maybe been on a bunch of winning teams before 
this may not be like that. And my stats may not be like shiny as hell. Like, how did you prepare for that yourself? It's a good question. Um, in the beginning of the season, and once we knew, once we finally knew about the D1 change, Sheila had a basically a heart-to-heart with the team. <laughs> saying, like, we are, like, we're going to do our best. We will, like, be much harder to get the stats and the rankings that we've had in the past. Um, and, like, honestly, like, we've, I haven't lost this many times in a long time. And so it's definitely been a challenge to wrap my head around. And, um, but I think it's a huge testament to, like, our, we really pride ourselves in how supportive our team is. And so there's never been a moment um, this season where I've thought, oh, like, it's just my fault. Like, it's, right. Even if there's that little part of your brain that says you, you could have saved that or that like we should have avoided that goal or that was a dumb goal. Um, right. Like, I have Al here and I have the back line and my fellow goalkeepers to like lift me up in those spots. And so right. it's been a challenge for sure. Um, and it like will be a challenge. We'll, we'll keep working on it. But um, I think we've spent – I have wonderful goalkeeper coach Peter um, – he's spent a lot of time with the goalies this year talking about mindfulness and really thinking about the successes you've had. And so that's been super helpful for me because it's really easy to step back and just think about all of the the challenges you faced and not think about all the good things you're doing too. And so this has sure been a growth year and we've had lots of successes, even if our records haven't necessarily shown it yet. Right. And I should say, too, I didn't include in my answer. The reason I noticed you in those games is because you had times where you were just balling out. I mean, like there were early games against like, was it the Northern Iowa game? Like, I think I saw you play the turbo. I think I saw I don't know. I've watched like a number of you guys games and it's it's noticeable. A keeper is one of those players where like when they stick out, they stick out because a save is like so dramatic and everyone's looking and it's at the ball. And so it's kind of hard to miss a standout keeper when they have a good game. And so you've had some really strong games. I know at least one player of the week on her, right? So like you, at least, at least you have little, like you said, moments of success that the team has had where it really does keep you going. Like that first summit league, win, I was so psyched for you guys, I'm like, yeah, man, you have to get the first one. You have to get the first one. <laughs> right. And Alex, you were in such a unique role too, I think, as, you know, being a veteran and having to provide leadership, a lot of the time, part of that role is being the one who can say, we've been here before, this is what it's like, blah, 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 except you are in a historically unique situation where literally no one has been there before, not just on your team, but anywhere. (laughs) No one has made this jump before. You know, you all have not played these Summit League teams or even these non-conference teams. Everything is new but there's still this like veteran role you have to play of like supporting your teammates, creating an ecosystem, all that kind of stuff. I mean, what has that been like for you trying to be walking into the locker room and saying, I need to provide this leadership, but also so much of this is unknown to all of us, including the coaching staff, frankly. Right. No, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a unique role, like stepping into a leadership position in a transition that no team has ever done. So there's a lot of just like little things that changed, like just more times in locker rooms and out of states. And we're like, oh, no, we need a speaker. Just like things like that, that you never even think about that we have to like 
constantly adjust for like just this new era. But um, on top of that, just yeah, the bigger things too. I think that the big thing was that we knew we could control, like if anything, our culture and our chemistry um, and keep that alive. And that is something that like our team really prides itself in um, more than a lot of other teams. We keep it no drama and we all yeah. like just really genuinely enjoy spending time together. So mm -hmm. I think that our huge role this season was to make sure we could keep that like positive, supportive atmosphere alive coming off of different losses and just being able to shake them off and just still be together as a team. Right. Like control what you can control kind of thing of like mm -hmm. most of this is out of our control. What can we control? I love, I love the idea of like, damn, we need like a speaker in this locker room. I love like the small dramas of like, how the hell are we going to get amped before this game? Right. <laughs> right after we're like flying everywhere and yeah it's just been there's random things that have been so different <laughs> the, i mean it is true especially the mayak especially not just d3 but the mayak is like a pretty compact footprint like i played d3 right. and then for three years like kicked on a d3 football team and i was driving like 11 hours to games it didn't make any sense but we were driving that far and like you all were like around the metro a couple hours away and then like you said you're jumping to flying but we will we will get to road trips later i have a question related to road trips so do not spoil any of this content i i will take a quick break to say this week's episode is brought to you by pence homes pence homes is a real estate team with keller williams i personally have experience working with nate and lydia when we sold our house and moved into this house i'm in right now last fall Nate has been a supporter of the local soccer community, including as an owner of the Minnesota women's soccer team, which is soon to announce their final name. Everyone pay attention. Uh, I also enjoyed working with one of their preferred lenders, Angie Shear with Luminate Financing. If any viewers or listeners have questions about houses, whether selling, buying, need a furnace, need flooring, shoot them a message, go to pensehomes.com. It's in the show notes. It is scrolling across your screen. You cannot miss it. Okay. Now, Olivia, let's be real. Who cares about soccer? Let's talk about some real shit. And by that, I mean baking. You are into baking and you have some content, girl. Okay, so for those who do not know, and I don't know how they wouldn't, you are on Insta at OG Bakes. And there is a ton of great content on that thing. I don't know how it hasn't blown up, frankly. High quality pictures, some video content as well. Go back, tell us where this started because there's actually, you've been doing this a while because there's a lot of stuff on there. Yeah. Um, gosh, I started it quite a while ago. And then I don't know if it was what my like late middle school of like, oh no, I'm so suddenly self conscious about this Instagram account yeah. and I stopped yes. posting. Yes. And then last year, I, was cooking and baking so much during quarantine. <laughs> yeah. And I've had friends joke and be like, like, start posting again. Like I like you, we know you're doing it. Um and so eventually right. I just started started posting again because I I have been cooking the entire time. I just right. didn't post about it. Um, right. and then it's been really fun to um like I don't know, I got a like my brother got a camera for Christmas for like yeah. two years ago. So I took his camera and then it's been really fun to like try to take nice pictures now and right um, yeah so it's been fun 
I have I have enjoyed it. I was scrolling it earlier today. I did enjoy the random shout outs to like where you got ingredients, like shout outs to the Excelsior Kowalskis. I used to live two blocks from a Kowalskis, so I was I was recognizing that that rep. Nice job by you. But also I used to work at a home food company that I'm sure your grandmothers are huge fans of. It was called Tastefully Simple, and it's like a home party company. And I produced all of their cooking videos. So Olivia, this is live on the record. I'm offering you right now, Equal Time will produce like a baking cooking show that you are the star of if you're game. Right now, offer is being made. I think that sounds real awesome. Honestly, my life is so crazy right now, which is why <laughs> I haven't posted since the first day of school. We, um, I've got content lined up, but I will have to figure out the rest of it. We will not. We will not attempt to make the show during the season. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> we we will find downtime. But if you are game for those who are not like tried and true, watch everything Equal Time produces. I did even remotely during COVID produced a cooking show that Sophia Bowman and Katie Duong did last spring because they had a shared food Instagram account called uh kitchen somethings and i'm forgetting and clearly i'm a great i'm a great booster of their account but they certified kitchen freaks is the account look at that i remembered so we have a we have a history of supporting cooking players so you are you are ready to rock we will be in touch about that um alex on a non-baking note you are an economics major which i am personally as if not more interested in than baking Talk to us about what you're interested in doing with, with that degree. Or if you don't want to, you are fully allowed to bring up another side passion um, and ignore academics. Because you notice I did not talk to Olivia about academics. So you can you can choose your yeah. own adventure. You can either talk economics, which I'm actually very game to talk about, or you can side hustle us right now. Okay. Well, uh, unfortunately, I don't really have a lot of side so <laughs> I'm gonna I'll I'll stick to my my degree yeah. but no I <laughs> I'm a public policy economics major and yeah. um I don't have a like set plan for graduation but I think my goal would just to be able to be able to work with like local policy in Minnesota um yeah. like help the community reform um and government policy whatnot so yeah. been dabbling trying to figure out what i'm gonna do next but yeah uh, <laughs> alex you are talking to someone who until three weeks ago worked for your city council member i am like i'm ready to rock put me to work oh this is perfect this is <gasps> people rightfully like have, people rightfully have no idea what i do in my non-soccer time but that is what i do so this is great i so now, clearly, you both are going to be very heavily featured in Equal Time channels in the future. That's great. Well, and how did you, um, Alex, how did you get into that space? Or was it, was it something where you took some classes that caught your interest? Or how did you first get interested in public policy? Yeah, well, um, I had no idea what I wanted to do going into college. I still kind of feel like I don't. But um, I chose econ. Mm -hmm. um specifically well specifically because i was interested in like government and government decisions and whatnot um yeah. but i yeah i really settled in on public policy by my junior year i think that um 
just with the pandemic and everything going on in St. Paul, just I was like, okay, yes, there's so much um, community local reform that we can do. And I now saw that as more of an option for what I could do with my life and be more interested in um, and really like became interested on that local level. So, yeah, I think by like junior year, I was like, yes. (laughs) That's great. That's great. I love it. Uh, and I also love the vibe. This is a message to any, we have a lot of teen viewers, obviously. A lot of teenagers watch my shows. We know that. What, if they're watching, they can know that you can go to college not knowing what you want to do. Full support. Full support. That, so don't worry. I mean, you should have, you do need to eventually choose, but go in, go in wide open for sure. Again, this is to all of our teenage viewers, of which there are so many. You guys both know that. So you guys spoke to this earlier. I, I, I didn't realize how next level the like team only, like selfless, we support each other, no individual focus went. I went in just to try and do basic research on your stats. I think you might be, I mean, I don't, I can't claim this is actually true, but I think you might be the only team in the country that doesn't even list who started. So every stat sheet in the world is like game started, games played. There's not even a column for game started on your team, which I think might be unique. I've never seen that before. So y'all are full on team only. And I, I was sort of joking with Olivia before we started recording that last week or a couple weeks ago when uh, Lexi Huber and uh, Abby Brantner were on the show, they were so blindly, sunshiningly positive about St. Thomas soccer that it was like I was dying watching that show because they were like so positive about like bleeding purple like through and through. But I, <laughs> there are so many cues here that I think it's, I think it is kind of real with your team. But for you two that have played at, you know, super competitive clubs, competitive high schools, like multiple settings, all these different teams, all these different coaches. What are some, what are sort what are some of the ways that that sort of really aggressively team first vibe has made the situation different for you sort of day in and day out, not in like the big picture, like um, how we talk about ourselves kind of way, but like, how does that change your experience day to day in terms of wow, this culture really is different because X. You can, And either of you can um, start. I could have actually thrown it <laughs> you. But. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, totally honestly, my team that I grew up on in club with, most of us had played together, like basically our whole lives. Um, so I was really fortunate in that aspect that we were a no-drama team, um, team first, yeah. and had like a really amazing culture but I think that that made me realize how important that was to me and I think if I had gone to a program that was less team oriented I would have really been in shock (laughs) um so I think that that just made like the transition for me and my decision to come to St. Thomas like I I was just so much more sure in my decision and by the end of my freshman season I knew I'd made the right choice just because that really is what happens um everyone is so loving and supportive and I right. just think, like, especially coming in as, like, an intimidated freshman starting your collegiate to c- career, to have that support from everyone on the team is just, like, really nice. <laughs> right. Olivia, what about you? I'd agree. Um, I mean, I grew up – I've had my fair share of drama in 
lots of teams in different avenues of my life. Um, but like being here in college where my team is literally my family here, um, I, I mean, I probably take it for granted for how much, how well we get along together. Um, I mean, right. like people on the team, like we, people feed each other and people <laughs> live together. And like, we, we literally spend so much time together that, right. um, and I've heard stories of girls who transferred and girls who are at different schools who have not had the same experience. And so right. it's, it's pretty eye opening to see those, hear those stories because it's like a like, holy cow, like we, right. we have it really good here and that like I'm, it's it makes the experience so much better and I don't have that added stress of I don't have to worry about I like I I love spending time with my teammates I don't have to worry about my coaches or my teammates and that it's not an added stress and I think it makes us have more fun and um probably do better because of it yeah well and it's I do think there's this element of uh you have to you have to trust the coaches enough to trust that they're telling you accurately what the program is like you know, you have to, in that recruiting process, there's all this variability. It's like, okay, I might be choosing when I'm 16. And am I really capable at 16 of knowing what I need at 22? And like, just as a human, just as like a human being, do I know what I need at 22 at, when I'm at 15 or 16? And then is the adult person across the table from me, like telling me enough of the truth that I know what the culture is? So yeah, Olivia, what you said really sticks out. And like you and Alex both say, it's just this no having this no drama environment of everyone is really supportive. It's like you, you don't really know until you get there. I mean, like you can't really know because no coach is going to say like, mm, we're kind of messy. Like, and no, and frankly, ex- existing players might not say it either. Like, I don't know how many campus visits you all did, but I'm assuming players all just sort of like boil down what they say all the like. I'm assuming no one's spilling like hardcore tea when you're on a campus visit, right? Depends on who you go to. <laughs> Did you get, you had some good ones? I got, I mean, I went on my fair share of campus visits and um, you can kind of get a vibe of like, right. whether or not they give you the opportunity to ask those deep questions. Right. Um, I mean, thankfully, I like, I know like Mari, who's a senior on the team, she went to my high school and so... She's delightful. She's a delightful human being. So I know I knew that like she would not be in this environment if right if it wasn't positive. And so that was like a, a sure sign for me of like out it'll right. be good. As, here. as long as you have like one trusted source, mm-hmm. you know it can't be bullshit. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I'm also curious to be honest. I mean, we talked at the beginning of the show about when you sort of when both of you first started considering that jump from D3 to D1. And I know, Alex, I chatted with you, you know, forever ago about that. But the I'm super curious about, you know, when you heard that and you started in your head having these assumptions about like, I need to do X or it's going to be like Y or, oh my God, we're going to face Z. Like, what are some of those things that maybe came true and maybe didn't come true that sort of you invented in your head that which sort of things were ended up being really true or even more true than you thought? And which things were you like, oh, that wasn't the situation at all? And Alex, let's go with you first, because you've already had to basically talk sure. about this. Yes. <laughs> well, um, I mean, uh, d- there was a ton of excitement hearing about it. Also a ton of, oh, my God, that's really scary. Um, so, yeah, I think that me 
a few years off was just really nervous, like really nervous about this season. Like, oh my gosh, am I just going to feel like I'm dead like every single day? Like, am I just going to be so additionally tired? And like, are these going to be, is it going to be so much more intense, but it just in a way that like my body hurts a lot more, you know, and my like mentally just um, stress. (laughs) But um, I, so that, that was definitely like a fear and also just knowing that this, we're not going to have an amazing record our first year. And I was just wondering like what that was going to look like and how that was going to feel coming off of so many losses after being on a team that's so used to winning. And that was definitely a concern of mine. But um, I really think that like, I have just, I have over been overwhelmingly like pleasantly surprised by this whole season. Um, The intensity level has of course picked up, but not in a way where I think that, um, our, like I, we've talked about like our team culture has gone down or like added stress into my life. I don't feel a ton of added stress. Like I feel like it was just such a smoother transition than I could have hoped for, um, which has been great. And on top of that, like knowing we're losing, but we are really competing in a lot of these games. And um, so, and I don't think our record necessarily reflects that, which is just soccer, but to know that like we are still in a lot of these fights and we're doing just better than I thought we could do um, our first year, right. which has just been awesome. It's also, I think it's, I'll, I'll jump in and say one thing before we kick to Olivia, which is it's worth noting that at all levels of D1, so like in the Big Ten, like which I watch a ton of covering the Gophers or whatever, like a third of all Division One teams like park the bus, play defense, and then counterattack. Like it's truly almost like a third. Like it is... It is very much a regular choice that programs make for decades, not just when they're brand new, like they do it forever. And I will say like, it is actually really, really cool. Like when we had Sheila on the show earlier this fall and when I've watched you all play, yes, you end up defending a lot when you're maybe on paper overmatched. Like maybe you end up having to defend a lot, but you are not like St. Thomas is not parking. Like you are, attacking you are playing both ways and one thing sheila mentioned the head for sorry for those who don't know sheila mcneil the head coach of st thomas for those who don't know she said like it's not fun to only defend and so we're never going to only defend like that's a really i'm paraphrasing her because she doesn't curse as much as me it's a really shitty thing to have to tell a team to be like get ready to defend for 80 minutes of this game and we'll counterattack for 90 seconds five times like that's an impossible thing to ask women to do for 90 minutes the entire fall. And so I will say to your point, Alex, of like, sure, the record doesn't look great. It's because you probably could have squeaked out a few more wins if you parked. If you just sat behind the ball and you only countered and you only did corner kicks and you only did set pieces. But it actually has been kind of fun to watch you in games. Like I remember watching, I think it was like the Green Bay game or something. Like there are games where you end up losing because you create space because you are attacking, but it's still sort of worth it in the long run because you're developing that sort of attacking mindset that like you're not just a team who sits because I think it's really underrated like how many programs sit forever, like as a permanent choice. It's like a lot of, and you all have seen it in the Summit League, I'm sure, but it's like, it is for real. Olivia, how about you after I rambled? which things um, held true for you of sort of your assumptions of what the jump would be and which things sort of 
ended up being a lot different? Um, I guess I didn't, I mean, I didn't have a great idea of what the season would look like. Um, it was a lot of, we're just going to do it and hope for the best. Um, but I think coming from my first year, which the theme of my first year was definitely like, this isn't what it's normally like, but we're making it work. Right. Um, but that's just how it was. And so it wasn't any different for me. So I think right. I would have a better like comparison of what a normal season would look like. And so this year being pretty different than last year, um, it's just, it's very different. Um, but it's also just been super exciting. Like when we first found out we were going to scrimmage the U, it was like, I wonder if we're actually going to do that. Like that's, that's like, that's, that's incredible. Like that's a big time to Minnesota D1 schools. That's like, that's never happened before. That's super cool. And so we actually got to do it. It was like, holy cow, we're actually doing this. This is really jumping off the deep end here, really diving right into it. Um, And it was a wonderful experience. Like it was, it was cool that we got to do that. Um, And so, I mean, I've definitely, we've, we're, as Al mentioned, like we're, we're doing a lot of things that we've never done before traveling and, facing challenges and dealing with random snafus that happen with apparel and all that fun stuff. But, um, so you didn't, you didn't have in your mind that like, Oh no, every keeper at D one is like six feet tall. And I need to be like a, a like Olympic level high jumper type athlete to play this position. You didn't have like those level of hysteria fears. There's definitely self doubt. Um, and I definitely like, still do with self-doubt but I mean I've I train with like one of my the girlies that I've trained with for years she's a summit league goalie and so I knew like we've trained we've trained with each other for years I have good friends one of my friends who I used to train with she's a brown goalie like I've yeah I've been with these girls and so if I can keep up with them then I can I can make it work here right well and keeping keeping is also so nuts because like there are so many keepers where um they won't necessarily get like the shutouts or the clean sheets. And so they won't get recognition, but like the shot stopping or the save percentage things that maybe are more um, uh, like more explain like an individual's abilities. Like Mm -hmm. there's plenty of keepers who play super well, but don't get like an undefeated season or like a, or like 12 clean sheets in a year or something. Mm -hmm. So it's like you all are already more resilient than, than I would ever be. So we don't need to dive too deep into that. You're already like a hardcore warrior. So the last one, last question, and you both have hinted at this before, we are going to jump in and ask a little bit about the new opponents and the new road trip. So two questions to finish this bad boy off, and then you can both actually live your lives after this show. So the first one is you both have mentioned like flying to different places, so many different road trips. So what has been your favorite road trip to go on this year? Because so many of these are probably a first. And Alex, you you have to answer first because um, you're older, so Olivia gets more time to think. You can say multiple places too. Alex might be frozen. He might be so frozen. Olivia, now you do by default hmm. have to answer first. Road trips. Um... We've had quite a few memorable ones. Okay. Well, first of all, you can't first of all, it should be noted you can't just like say that and then not, <laughs> so now you have to describe what made them memorable. 
who lost Al? Um, She'll come back. Alex will. For those who are listening to this as a podcast, Alex is gone, but she will come back. Yeah, I'm looking. I'd say. I mean, last weekend was definitely one for the memory books. We <laughs> we had a f- our flight delayed, and then we missed our connecting flight, and so we got we stayed in the hotel. Yeah. And then we got another flight in the morning, and then took a bus to Oral Roberts. And then we played, and then we take another bus to um, UMKC. Um, and yes. so just all like the random travel was, was I mean, it was really fun. Um, we kind of, we've, we've dealt with a lot of weird stuff like that, but there's definitely like a ton of memories involved because of all the, the weird stuff that kept happening. Um, yes. And how we deal with it. So that, I mean, it was, it was, um, that is we also got a double decker bus, uh, not double decker, um, bunk bed bus, um, a sleeping bus, and that was that was a game changer. Wait, 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 wait. I don't know that I've ever been on one of these. What trip was this for? This was last weekend. We um, when we drove from Oral Roberts from Tulsa to um, Kansas City, Missouri, and then we got to drive the six hour six hour drive home and the bus. So your drive home was in the bunk bus? Both of them. So we had like a four-hour drive and then a six-hour drive. And so it was, it's like normal. It looks like a normal bus seats. Okay. Um, but you can flip them. You can flip the bottom down so that you have a like platform and you can flip the side up. And so it's just like this. So people were sitting on top and see people were underneath. Wow. This is, and I will, I will tell you, absolutely no one came to this show to hear me talk about Amtrak trains. <laughs> but I, I will say... Amtrak roomettes are like that where it's two chairs and then you flatten the bottom into a bed and there's a bed above. Again, no one gives a shit, but I am telling people. But that is, first of all, that's unreal. I don't know that I've ever heard someone talk about using a bunk bus, but that is great. Alex, you were gone for a minute and Olivia talked about the wonderful hopscotching road trip you had to KC. So you, you are now not allowed to use the Kansas City trip, but and by the way, you, as much as Olivia, we talked about Lexi and Abby being sunshine and rainbows, you did just talk about a really bonkers kind of challenging trip as being your favorite. So you are also an optimist. So you are also, uh, Alex, what would your, what would your favorite road trip or road trips be from this year? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's a, a hard question. Um, I think, um, our first, correct me if I'm wrong, but okay, we went to Washington and I think that was our first like long weekend maybe. So we were there for like five days and it was a bit (laughs) long, but that was probably my favorite just because it was like the first one of the year. And again, like there, there's always chaos when our team travels. Like we, I think we have the least amount of luck with traveling. Um, It's hilarious, but just like, there wasn't a ton going on in Washington. It was maybe a, like a little less cool than we expected, but to yeah. like all be able to be together for like five days. And I just like got to know my freshman roommate that I was with like even better than before. And I feel like it was just like a huge bonding experience for everyone. Like we just came back and we're way closer just cause we had been together, like literally together always for five days in a row. So that was my, probably my favorite. <laughs> Yeah, that that is the part 
Wait, Olivia, what, what were you gonna say? I um, for the record, I I was in Al's room for part of that time, so okay, you had a positive impact on that that rooming experience. Oh, you're you're saying that that yes. part of the room <laughs> is because of you. That's great. I like that definitely credit. <laughs> that credit claiming, Olivia. You need to be confident off your line. You need to be confident in claiming credit. That's good. We need you to be a strong keeper. So that's that's good. And lastly, last question is you obviously have had a ton of battles this year. You haven't played every single Summit League team quite yet. You have a couple of games left, but the Summit League is a battle every game, um, even though, you know, there's still the same sort of tiered nature that there is in every conference. You also had plenty of tough opponents in the non-conference. For you two, each of you, sort of who has been the toughest team and the toughest game for you all this year in terms of, uh, you know, how hard it was in that in that moment. And a Alex, if you're there, we'll make you go first again because Olivia has to go first. Yeah. I mean, obviously playing the U is a challenge, but I, I won't even say that just because that was like a preseason scrimmage and that was right. for 10 out of the 11 girls on our team, our first game at D1 ever. Right. I, I think that we ha dealt with the most adversity in South Dakota and struggle there, but um, credit to FCSU and USD, I think they came out really hard and we did not come out hard enough. Um, I think they were both really solid teams and they gave us a good game, both just really fast, really aggressive, and we're always just like pushing, like shoving the ball down our throat. So, right. yeah. <laughs> Olivia, how about you? Yeah, it's, I mean, honestly, it's hard to pinpoint because we've had a lot of like really close games and we've had games that have been like mentally challenging, whether it's because we're either playing super well and it's just not dropping the way we wanted to. And it's like, okay, just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Cause we're so close, but it, it and we might not have gotten the results we wanted, but um, I'm trying to think of like a specific. Well, and that, that dynamic is so common in college soccer, especially cause it's such a grind. The idea of like, mm -hmm. even if run of play is going well, you're not scoring and you're not winning. That is like such a college soccer challenge of like, I'm sure it exists at other levels too, but college mm -hmm. soccer with two games a week, games and classes, you're wearing down every week. It's this absolute battle. That is to me is like such a stereotypical college soccer challenge of like, why can't we just score? Like we're playing well, why can't we win? <laughs> yeah. Is it, so do you, could you name one then? Or did I interrupt you as you were about to? Um, I think, well, I'm trying to think there's, I distinctly remember our, I, I think it was, might've been our first, like, like Al, I think it might've been our first South Dakota game, um, yeah. USD where we like lost like four of our back line. Sure. Various things. Um, and everyone that got put back there crushed it. They're working super hard. Um, and so, but it was definitely like, oh gosh, we, we've, we've lost four defenders at the moment. Um, so we're just piecing it together. Everyone's just doing their best and busting that's, their butt, but it wasn't so necessarily an ideal situation. Well, that's, that's so hard because South Dakota is also a really solid team. Like there are, 
there are teams in the Summit League that are slightly more battleable. And then mm-hmm. there are teams like South Dakota where they're always solid. And so, like, every game is going to be really hard. So it's just, like, really impossible. Yeah, that, that is crazy. Well, you two have given way too much of your time to us. Thank you so much. Olivia Grotman, Alex Balfour, and you all have two games left, right? So what are the what are your next two games? And they're both at home. So folks mm-hmm. can come check them out on the south field at the St. Thomas campus, which is actually a really nice venue for watching soccer. Folks mm-hmm. haven't been there. I've been to a number of games this year, but um, uh, for safety, we'll have Olivia name the next two games just in case Alex cuts out. But Alex, you've been a saint being on the show <laughs> and reconnecting multiple times. But who are those next two opponents and when are the games? Uh, we've got UND tomorrow at 3.30 Southfield. Yeah. Um, and then NDSU is our um, senior day, one o'clock. So it'll be a good one. Everyone come out for Alex, like shout out, yeah. like, give out for the seniors. <laughs> and, and by the way, that North Dakota game should be one of the North Dakotas had kind of a, you know, they've been battling through the fall, same as you guys. This would be, mm-hmm. I can say it, you all aren't allowed to say it. This would be one of the better opportunities for a St. Thomas win. So it should be a really good battle. Um, if, if folks have watched us cause they're gopher fans, you've seen North Dakota in the preseason. We played them in, you know, You've seen them play before. There's roughly 1 million Minnesotans on that roster. So there's like tons of ties to Minnesota. Olivia Grotman and a badass keeper in the back for St. Thomas. Alex Balfour, stud veteran defender outside back. Although I, I liked you at center back too, Alex. Don't I'm not sure where you've been playing now. But both of you have been so great for the Tommies this year in a historic first ever jump from D3 to D1. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us.